Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 397 on Tuesday, the 11th of May, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we haven't been on a TV show, nor have we tanked cryptocurrency. Instead, we'll be wading our way through thousands of percentages. We find out how to charge an EV for free. And we are delighted, delighted, I tell you, to only have to talk about racing at Monaco. Yay. So, straight into new news. No more, no follow-up again, thankfully. And uh, Alan, it's the beginning of the month. Well, yes, now... It's the SMMT new car registration figures, as always, as I'm sure you've guessed. Now, this year, they are up 3,176.6%. That's amazing, Alan. <laughs> That's It's incredible growth. Or it might be because everything was shut last year. Yes, 141,583 new passenger cars registered in April, as I said, up over 3,000% because last year it was all shut. To quickly split stuff out, what I'm going to do is use Tristan Young's figures because... Thank you, Tristan. (laughs) Yes, thank you. By what you mostly put in your car. So petrol, 70% share, diesel, 16% share, battery electric vehicle, 6.46, and plug-in hybrids, 6.78%. So 9,600 FEVs exactly, 9,152 BEVs. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've been spending some time with mild hybrids, and the more time I spend with mild hybrids, the more I agree with the way that Tristan groups stuff together rather than the way the SMMT does, because frankly, I think mild hybrid is still a bit of a farce yes in my humble opinion so scrolling past all of those uh let's run through the top tens i think in at number 10 ford cougar 2432 volkswagen polo is ninth kia sportage is eighth audi a3 is seventh ford focus is sixth volkswagen golf is fifth 2902 so that's of under 400 registrations between 10th and 5th mm-hmm. not much of a jump to the puma in a fourth fiesta in a third Ooh. 3261 the mercedes-benz a-class our new highest climber <laughs> do, 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 do. yeah uh, mercedes-benz a-class at 3270 and the most registered most registered passenger car in the UK in April 2021 was the Vauxhall Corsa with 3,968. Well done, Vauxhall. Year to date, Corsa Fiesta A-Class. Yeah, one to three, that is. Yes, 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 one to three. Thank you very much. Private fleet and business, all the numbers are so silly, really. They are... I keep trying to work my way past the percentage change figures here. Market share for privates, 43%. Fleets, 54 five percent almost and business is 1.7 percent and i've just done some rounding so that might not add up to 100 actually <laughs> shall we look at the spreadsheet of thing yes the spreadsheet of doom is virtually entirely almost completely except for one row green this month so i'll just clatter through and say basically everybody is up except other imports which means that there wasn't a tesla model 3 shipping and a big shout out to Toyota for the most ridiculous increase in percentage of 41,436.84% increase on last year. <laughs> I, I can imagine them all that they can them all dancing around their home offices going, eat that MG. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically for everyone it was at least hundreds of percent increase. The only one with a single hundred was Sang Yong, who went from forty-five to one hundred and five passenger vehicles registered. Everyone else is many. Honda up thirty-one thousand, almost thirty-two thousand percent. But hey, we're rounding by that point. Mazda up twenty thousand percent. Yep. And Suzuki up twenty-six thousand percent, just to give some of the high rollers. But yeah, generally better than last year. Yep. So. Good news, because we we now have a handle on buying stuff online, click and collect. Mm -hmm. The lockdown wasn't as strict as last year, and people have adapted. 
as in the as in the public and um, the dealerships, yeah. which is good. To At see. this point, we we're all trying to scrabble around and see if we could get hold of masks and hand gel last year. So, you know, yep. yeah. But everyone's in better positions. Anyway, continuing a little bit of talk about pandemics. Yeah, uh, Ford is trialling with NHS in Essex using a converted transit van to help boost the uptake of... <laughs> that sounds so scabby. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, like some old transit van that somebody had found. <laughs> you mean like that? Some knackered old transit van with rust down the side. They're not. It's brand new and it looks really smart. In fact, this is a specially converted transit van that is able to safely and securely carry around vaccinations at the right temperature and be able to administer them within the van to people who have booked appointments alan so no not some rusty old transit <laughs> sorry that somebody bought just, off ebay <laughs> you just made it sound so traveling person for a moment there <laughs> so this is this is a great uh partnership actually and this is we need to applaud this. We need to applaud where private businesses have worked with the NHS to try and fulfil or fill gaps and help out the NHS where they can because the, uh, these vans are going to go around to community centres and so places like uh, churches, village halls, mm-hmm. did say that it would be mosques and places like that so that they would vaccinate as many people as possible. But instead of people having to get to the vaccination centres, they're taking the vaccines to them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it works and hopefully this is something that will be able to be rolled out, particularly for more rural areas as well. Well, that's when it's very useful. Yeah, yeah. good luck. and Well done, Ford. And great initiative there in working together. Yep. Okay, well, again, slightly related to pandemic, but not in a good way. We do get off this eventually. So, yes, story. I mean, this is from Roger Harabin, the BBC's environment analyst who we've mentioned before, uh, not necessarily in glowing terms, on here. And it's a story on BBC News website saying that road and rail building plans are under review after COVID. And this comes in the wake of a couple of things obviously covid pandemic uh, but also bbc research suggesting that 43 of the uk's biggest employers won't bring workers back to the office full-time which doesn't surprise me at all but yeah so lots of stuff like that so the outcome being that traffic is expected to be below the long-term average and that there's going to have to be some replanning going on to work out whether some infrastructure projects are or aren't needed I think what we've got to add on top of that, which isn't really mentioned in this, is how much the government spent since the pandemic began Mm -hmm. just in trying to keep anything moving. Well, yes. So obviously, I I mean, this was always going to happen. Every, Every budget through central government, local government and all the rest is now being with looked at with a fine tooth comb and microscope and everything isn't it yeah it's been put through the ringer anyway yeah so some some of these are really going to have to justify their the need for them uh, and whether i hope they will use actual proper traffic data to say mm-hmm. rather than just go oh well we we're guessing that companies won't go back to an office place well that's it you know it depends on what what companies do that some people will still need to go back to big industrial sites and things that kind of stuff cannot be done from home and so in many places then you know these these changes will have to happen so lots of things there's well there's some suggestions things like the a38 uh, widening in derby might be reconsidered because so much of the traffic is short distance peak hour commuting those are the those are the schemes i think which are, are under the biggest threat Similar, the A27 Arundel Bypass might be in the same thing because the holdups are generally caused by commuters and pinch point schemes, junction upgrades, that kind of thing might well be the things that get that get knocked. So more so that than sort of long distance travel where you're talking about trunk roads and carrying stuff around and all that kind of, you know, trucks and, and, and roads used for freight and things yeah uh, one one scheme of course which is which was mentioned in today's queen's speech was of course hs2 so new powers to build and operate the next stage of hs2 so yes the high-speed rail crew manchester bill is going to come up at some point in the, during the next parliament really don't know why they haven't 
switched how they sell this to the nation, which they should have done from the start, which is we are doubling capacity mm. up that way. If they'd done that, mm. I don't. I there were there were still yeah, obviously people. Fifteen be, minutes, be, you know, fifteen minutes, mate. Yeah, because that minutes. makes all the difference rather than doubling capacity. It's just idiocy, and from the comms point of view. Really is. It is. It's it's shocking, the whole thing. But, you know, and then it's quite easy to m- make jokes about uh, political donors. So we're not going to do that because we're no. not that kind of podcast. There's plenty of other podcasts who'll do that. And we're going to move on to catalytic converter theft, I think. Yes, good news. Now, as we know, we keep seeing reported that there's an increase, a sharp increase in catalytic converter theft. We keep seeing videos being put out on uh, social media where... The they brazenly in the middle of the day get underneath a car, get a saw out, chop it off, put it in the back of another car, and drive off. And just and the people you are dumbfounded watching it, thinking how how do they have the brass monkeys to do that? I have some questions about this though. The thing is that it's great that thousands of stolen cats have been can been recovered, mm. and that people have been arrested. But that doesn't actually do anything for the people who've had their catalytic converters pinched, does it? No. Because they've still had to claim against their insurance. This insurance yep. is still going to go up yep. in the medium and the long term. And so will the peoples in the area. And so will everybody else's roundabout. Exactly. And they're saying, well, you can mark the catalytic converters. Well, how are they going to see and look and see if they've got a catalytic converter that's marked or not? Mm. What they're going to do is go under there, pinch it, shove it in the back of the other van, drive off, and then later on go, oh, these ones were marked, and dump them in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. It's not actually going to help the people whose catalytic converters are getting pinched. No, it doesn't, but at least something is happening to the people who have been pinching them. Hmm. I know this is definitely after the horse is bolted, etc. Yeah. But with I mean, what we've talked about with traffic police, there just isn't the numbers to be out policing how... It would possibly prevent this. Yes, you you can't go and put a put a policeman beside every Toyota Prius. No. So the good news is, a bunch of people have been nicked. A bunch of sites are now aware that the police know of them, so they are going to be much more careful with how they get hold of stuff mm-hmm. and who they buy from, because they'll be in trouble for accepting goods without doing enough checks. Yeah. Yes, it would be better if this just wasn't happening and people and the police were able to stop it before it was a thing but mm-hmm. that's tricky you can get locks for some cars that sort of armor plate the way the catalytic converter is conv- is is connected yeah you can get those anyway i'm we're a little ray of sunshine we're a pair of rays of sunshine tonight actually because i think i even managed to pour doom and gloom over the fantastic over the huge rates of of new car registration figures well, no no we just had to temper the ridiculous headlines that came out from some not most of the motoring press thankfully but there was some there was a lot of oh look at these huge increases for car people wow by the way it was still down i i didn't see but it was still down a number of percent uh compared to 2019 so the teens percent over the 10-year average I can't remember exactly what it is. Anyway, yeah, depress us some more and take us on to petrol prices. Well, according to the RAC, petrol prices have increased for six months in a row. Yes, they have. And that trend is likely to continue into the summer months. So, yes, April, sixth consecutive month of petrol petrol price increases. Supposedly, unleaded petrol went up by 0.89 pence last month, uh, ending at an average of 127.19 pence per litre, which was the highest price since January 2020. Diesel has risen by 0.62p to 129.73 pence per litre, a fifth consecutive monthly increase. We're 134.5 round here for diesel. I have no idea. Petrol's at uh, 127. It's quite bad because I've had a number of press cars on the trot and I haven't used a full tank in any of them. So I've done quite a lot of my proper mojo in here. (laughs) I just haven't been able to use any more tank and they've all been really very economical vehicles. So even after you've done a couple of hundred miles, you've still got almost half a tank. I have found that this week as well. And I have not been, my my right foot has not been gentle. Hmm. And I'm still, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm thinking, is this broken? To, the, to that's to the point I've got. <laughs> you know, I'm not. 
driving this like a you know in eco mode only or anything yes but i did have to fill up the tank in one of those just because it's a very large tank okay mm-hmm. so yes but this is expected to go on the rsc is saying it's expected to go on through into the summer because it's the summer and petrol companies continue to mm-hmm. take advantage of the fact that we will be driving around uh, through Britain for our holidays mainly this year because we're being recommended not to go abroad. So we will need to spend money. Plus, we can add on top of that that if it follows last year's cycle, where is the oil producing company said that they weren't going to reduce, they weren't going to increase supply, they were going to still keep it capped. No, they're, they're keeping it restricted. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Anyway, how about powering up a car for free? I think that sounds like an awesome idea, Andrew. You don't have to be a motoring journalist to do that kind of thing. This this may be illegal, though. I think it's probably quite illegal, actually. What's happened is that a Chinese uh, web giant called Tencent, their security research group, are called Blade Team. Fantastic. I, I was laughing with someone earlier this afternoon about the ridiculous nature of cybersecurity companies' names. <sighs> are They have been... A lot of them have been written by prepubescent boys, I think. <laughs> That's quite a lot of cybersecurity, Red. <laughs> well, yes, quite a lot of cybersecurity <laughs> um, company people tend to be, yes. Mm. Mm. Dungeons and Dragons, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, what's happened is at a Black Hat Asia conference, the Blade team demonstrated that they were able to get in to a car via an electric charging point because they were able to get hold of the control area network or CAN bus by using software that allows them to send messages into that part of the car, which meant that they were able to alter the charging process. They could write their own messages. They could bypass authentication. They could avoid charges for charging. Friend of the show... Ken Tyndall, please hurry up with your device that's going to help people with this. But also on the back of this article in the register, there was another demonstration where an Indian security consultancy actually demonstrated using the uh, messaging app Telegram, which was installed inside a Raspberry Pi. Now we're getting into witchcraft, really into witchcraft areas here. They were able to exploit vehicles and control certain functions, including they had the ability to brick a car which would be quite annoying if you were the owner of said car. That would be quite upsetting, actually. I think it would, I think I would go beyond annoying to upsetting. Yeah. There might be some swearing. But this, remember, this does require, the way I've read this, it, it requires there to be physical access and there's something added inside the car, yeah? Not the EV charging one. Not the EV charging one? Oh. No, they got in through the EV charger. Ah, Okay. Because, and I'm, I've not had the opportunity to ask this country, but I've not come across this. They were saying in some Chinese charging points, they use the VIN number oh. as an authentication, which obviously we can just look at the front windscreen for the VIN number. <laughs> now, I don't think that happens. It's not, that's not happened on any of the charging points I've used in this country. So I don't believe that's a system oh yeah, yeah but 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 we don't know if that's being passed through the charger we know there's a, hand, a handshake goes on between the car and the charger it's whether or not the vin numbers used there what they were saying in this article is that one of the uh authentications was tell us what the vin number is to confirm that you are so it's like well i'll just read off the windscreen then okay that's that's not very secure. Like I say, I don't think that happens in. No, the I'm UK. sure it won't happen in China for that much longer either. If this is no. happening, no, no. So, so uh, let's connect all the cars. Mm. Go for it. <laughs> the password is password. Right, take. Come on, take us to France, please. Take us and give us something that's a bit more uplifting that is against tech. <laughs> I like this, and it's from the Connexion again uh, because. Because the other week we talked about the, the the junction in Paris, just off the Rue de Rivoli, in the middle of the middle of the city, where you could enter but you could never get out again. <laughs> I'm sure there's a '60s TV series all wrapped up in there somewhere. I know, I know. Something goes. You are entering the traffic zone. Uh, the 
<laughs> so anyway, this was a village in France called Parmain in Val d'Oise uh, in Ile-de-France. So that's the area just around Paris. Okay, uh, and what was happening was when there were traffic jams on the nearby auto route, then Waze, the route finding app, uh, which I'm sure you're all aware of, then was diverting people through this this small village. And they're saying for three years, thousands of motorists have driven daily through the quiet streets of Palmer, guided by the Waze app, which directed them that way to avoid rush hour congestion on the nearby autoroute. One resident counted 1,200 cars a day passing her house in the quiet village with a population of five and a half thousand. That's a lot of trips for milk. It's a lot of trips for milk. Uh, so what they did was they got a sign which points out that basically you're only allowed to go through if you are I've forgotten the word now and i thought there was a translation in the in the text of the article and there isn't emergency services if you are emergency services or if you are you're only allowed through if you're emergency services or except for access essentially it's one of those signs so if you live there if you are doing some work there then that's great and all they did was they put up a sign that said the the souffrirain et service sign and that meant that, you know, somebody reported on Waze, you're not allowed through here. So Waze has started, well, has basically stopped doing that. And by adding one sign uh, saying, you know, only for, for the access of people who, who live here or need to be here, then they have actually stopped Waze sending people that way. And their village is back to 20 cars a day instead of 1,200 yeah, uh, going past that village. A non-violent way. In yeah. Which to... Well, we've got we've got a similar problem here at the moment, because uh, I had a moan on Twitter yesterday. Did you? I must have missed that. This specific moan, oh, right, before okay. you start... I did was, miss it, by the way. ...was yeah. about the road improvements, apparently. I'm using inverted commas. Oh, God. The road improvements in our town, which has cut the one-way system that you've been on down to 50%. Is it mostly used by commuters? Mm-hmm. You know, that one-way system, because mm. our town is on the is the only way from several other towns to the motorway, mm. which feeds another motorway, mm-hmm. <laughs> took me 36 minutes to do 2.2 miles yesterday. What? Really? <laughs> because they've put in temporary traffic lights, which are yes. not at the same, the same spacing as mm-hmm. the normal traffic lights were, nope. so the traffic doesn't go through, as well as compressing... Mm-hmm. the two lanes of traffic into one lane of traffic and they've backed up all just basically Brilliant. the four routes for town coming into town they are all now backed up because of this temporary traffic lights are just wonderful aren't they yeah especially when people don't think it through so what's happening is to avoid this mess is people are using alternative routes around the town center of which past our house is one of them oh and today there was just a stream of cars at rush hour as people were using that to get round. I can see how why people would get angry at the low traffic areas where now traffic gets shoved out mm-hmm. a road or two roads further out. And it's there's just people are not asking the question, what are the ramifications of us doing this? No, I understand no, exactly. they have to fix the road, but I fear they may have attacked it in such a way that's made it the most difficult as possible. Yes, probably. It's local local government. What, what, yeah. what do we expect? Quite Somebody will tell good. me otherwise. Anyway, I think that's enough prattle for the first part. It is, yes. And it is first part, and it's not even guilt minute this week. What's happening instead then, Alan, if it's not guilt minute? Small drum roll, please. Well, last week we invited you to join us for a live stream of the recording of our 400th episode. Next week, that's Wednesday, the 19th of May at 8.30pm BST, so British summertime. And yes, that's going ahead. We're still doing that. I'm still not quite sure what we're doing. This could be fantastically interesting for all of us involved but one thing we do know about is that during the show uh, we will like an automotive podcasting ant and deck be giving away some great prizes thanks to the support of some generous companies uh, in order to be in with a shout of grabbing one of the prizes we need you to do something incredibly complicated oh no the opposite uh, we need you to go to our website hit the contact section at the top of the homepage. 
or indeed click on the link in the show notes to go directly there. Enter your name, your email address, and the phrase, please can I win, um, slightly in the manner of uh, an Atlantic 252 calling into the subject line <laughs> showing your age yeah a little bit <laughs> and my uh, that i know what you meant <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna go off on a tangent i'm not going to let me go back no. <laughs> right tell everyone what they need to do first then you can go yes. on a tangent right quite so what you need to do is go to the website, hit the contact section at the top of the homepage, or click on the link in the show notes to go directly to it if you're really lazy. Enter your name, email address, and the phrase, please can I win, into the subject line so we can add your name to the draw. You will have to have done this by 8 p.m. BST on Wednesday the 19th of May, because I need to print them off, cut them up into little pieces, fold them up and put them inside a receptacle we may we may have a more technical way we can do that by the way it's quite nice to do it drawing it out of a hat it shows it's okay. physical I'm, and it's not right. it's not I'm fixed, trying to make it easier the, for you but you go for it i appreciate that but i quite like the physicality of me unfolding a piece of paper and then trying to read my own handwriting okay <laughs> it's true it adds fun to it Yes, don't forget, folks, uh, winners will be randomly selected during the live stream. I don't know if a buzzer will go, and it'll remind us that we should be pulling somebody else's name out of a hat. Uh, great prizes, by the way. Really work. I mean, given the 30 seconds and low skill levels required for this prize draw, then, you know, it's well worth it, because there, there is some good stuff, isn't there? Yes. And it is plural prizes, many. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 multiple. Yes, multiple. We're we're very thankful for the the companies who have agreed to help us out. Mm. We shall be painfully gushy. Yes. Formula (laughs) E, Alan. Come on. I fairly get loaded with the with starting every section tonight didn't i uh, yes uh so formula e took place in monaco for the first time in quite a while and a couple of things notable about this first of all it was to all intents and purposes the grand prix circuit yep but it, it, the, the minutest of changes yes there were there were a couple of small changes just to enable people to carry momentum up the hill rather than having to to sort of uh, go from standing start did you see the amendment they made friday night to the chicane where they put an extra curb <laughs> there was a monster curb i saw the monster curb picture yeah. did they remove it again uh, i think they did by the time it got to the race because okay the report i saw is the teams can't believe this has been installed <laughs> was how it was put by sam mm. smith <laughs> so uh, i think words were had and i don't think anyone had actually brought their extreme e setup for their cars no it did it looked far more extremey you know they yes put it on top of an endangered toad or something as extremey <laughs> seems to do uh, and uh but it was it was hefty yeah it was hefty anyway the last the other thing about monaco is that and i didn't see it i'm so sorry but it was an awesome race it was a great race nice and close no silliness at all there was a couple of couple of driver errors but there wasn't it wasn't hampered because I've watched uh what have I, I've watched about two thirds of the race now, and it wasn't hampered by rules. It wasn't hampered by self-imposed sort of hamstringing themselves. Yeah. I.e., if there's a safety car, they have to reduce the power. So therefore, if there's lots of safety cars, that makes it worse. Like the the Valencia now, issue, they have they revised have that, that rule. By the way, just yeah. as a quick follow up from last week, they have revised that rule so that after the 40th minute of the 45 minutes plus one lap races they will no longer impose that rule so they have revised it to make sure that the valencia debacle that's a good word the valencia debacle won't happen again Mm. but everyone was saying how good this was how much how much better it was for valencia whether that's included or not and how uh, suitable formula e is for street racing and and that's what they should focus on and that includes a uh, number of drivers. The racing bit of Valencia, I didn't mind the bits I saw, hmm. but the drivers needed to adapt to the fact they were on a big track with runoff. Exactly, and the whole thing about Formula E is it's always been about being on streets. Yeah, that was the whole the cars right from school, and that's why the wheels are tall and the tires are much thinner because they are essentially Michelin pilot sports. 
Mm. So they, they are near as darn it a street tire and treaded like as such and all that kind of thing. So the whole car is meant to drive on streets. That, that that's been the thing since since before the very first race. Yeah. Yeah. And just people were saying how good it looked going around the principality as well. And supposedly there were there was conversation before the race, um, you know, unofficial conversation before the race about making this making this happen again in Monaco and then that has intensified uh, ever since it was such a success to to try and see if they can do it every year because previously it was every second year it ties in with the historic doesn't it one year is the Mon- the historic monaco historic the next year was formula e then the historic then formula e uh, always the weekend before in the formula 1 because all the stands and everything all the everything's already Shut off, to be honest. But this year it was the historic then Formula E. Weekend yeah, historic. Weekend, so that, yes. that was why it worked. That's why it could work this year. Yes, yes. Uh, but they would like to do it more often as well. They would like to do it annually. It seems to be the muttering. So I really hope that comes off. You need to say who won, by the way. Sorry, I've interrupted you before you got to that. That's all right. Uh, so it was uh, defending world champion, champion Antonio Felix da Costa won for DS to Cheetah. And it was his first win of the season. Mm-hmm. Robin Freens came in second and Mitch Evans uh, was third. So that's Envision, Je- Envision Virgin Racing, which is which drives an Audi e-tron. And then Jaguar Racing, of course, the Jaguar i-Type 5. So, so yes, good. Lots of people saying really good things about monaco i must go watch the watch the highlights of the whole race i just just hasn't been haven't been enough hours in the week it's on the iplayer now the full program that they transmitted is on the iplayer oh, now. Cool. so Ooh, you could watch the the build-up as well good good and the interviews after uh what i will say as well is that uh i don't know about you but did you hear the collective sigh of relief it felt like there was a sigh of relief when it got to the end of the race and there wasn't Anything All silly. people wanted to talk about was racing. I yes, yeah, that seems to have been very much. That's very much the theme. The the linked articles from the race. Yes, uh, it's very much the theme. There is is everyone saying that was so good and it really needed to be. Thank goodness. Whew. Yeah, there's also as ever from the race. There's going to be the driver ratings as well, so you can have a read through there and see who did and didn't do so well. Um, I have to say, I felt sorry for for Sims because he got taken out in the first. Mm first uh lap that's just which is such a shame because it was it was an unnecessary and clumsy couple of bumps that he got and then the second one he was just driven over the top of almost Mm -hmm. which just ripped off bits of the body um so that was that was a shame but 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 at least the main race happened and it was good and it was interesting and it was fun to watch yep which is what we always want Mm -hmm. meanwhile though back on the road new new car news andrew Yes, and uh, it's not really a car, is it? It's a quadricycle. It's new, new quadricycle news. It is a quadricycle, but the new Citroen Miami cargo, which is not how it should be pronounced, it, uh, no, it, it is. It is. That's why they've done it. Miami. Yeah, it's Miami. <laughs> See, you pronounce it properly. Well, you read it too. I, a- as a heathen, heathen Brit, will just. But bulldoze my way through. No, the other thing is, it's also when you when it's written like that, it's it's a very frongly way of saying my friend. Oh, okay. in French for those who oh, say my French ami. lessons with Alan, my ami. Yeah, uh, right. So, and this what they what they are doing here because we all know about the uh, the ami. Uh, this this very small uh, electric vehicle that Citroen have teased us in Britain with and actually brought over and a few journalists have had a go in and all have come gushingly out of it saying how fantastic it is and yes please we need them and they're really economically priced uh, five to six seven thousand pounds um, that's the sort of price range you're looking at but they've converted them to be cargo vans so they've taken out the passenger seat uh, and done some uh, shenanigans with shelving and um, how how do you can store things in there which means it can take up to 400 liters of uh, load capacity as a total um, which is um, take a payload of up to 140 kilograms and the idea is this is going to solve the often quoted last mile problem in deliveries now i have to say i'm not sure there's a last mile problem the well the thing about this is that it is priced so competitively that it makes local deliveries 
and extra urban deliveries much more possible and realistic for much smaller shops and businesses. But they've got to compete with cargo bikes, mopeds, haven't they? A little bit, but you can't get a cargo bike, you know, only if it's somewhere completely flat like Copenhagen will you carry 140 kilos in a, car, in a yeah, cargo yeah, bike. Yes. Uh, uh, and mopeds, yes, if you're doing you're 140, to get kilos, the same. 140 kilos on a moped, then you're doing a wheelie. It's a unicycle by that yes, point. Yes, yes, yes. What I mean, though, is as in the type of vehicle to be used, someone hmm. would would possibly be prepared to go out in a moped three times to do the same deliveries as one of these, is what I'm thinking. And don't get me wrong. I think it's. I think they look brilliant and i'd love to try one and everything don't don't get me wrong i'm not but it's just i i think it's much more reasonable than most than most uh equivalents so this really to me is the equivalent of uh the little starship robots yes it's that but for places i'd be happier to see it than those <laughs> i think sure. they're so cute have you ever seen them in real life no not in they haven't come to our grim northern town yet they are the cutest little things they really are sorry I, I love the starship robots and i wish i was somewhere that i could get i could just find an excuse to get something delivered by this little friendly six-wheel robot but that's not what we're talking about so i could see i could see good use for these in a semi-rural situation i think that's where these come into their own i i definitely could see it in it's like the not in the center of cities no but in towns and suburbia yes i think these would make a lot of sense because one the person's going to be dry whatever they're delivering is going to be dry or and and or warm depending on what it is can you can with was it 47 57 miles something like 40 odd yeah i believe 47 miles range you can do a lot of local deliveries on that yeah. before you need to charge it. And, you know, it, it, it's going to look good. So you, whatever you're, whoever you're working for is going to stand out because people are going to notice the branding on it because they're all going to go, oh, look at that lovely thing going past. Mm. So It's just so funky. Anyway. I, I, don't think, I don't think the last mile is the issue, but I can see it has a, has a role to play. Mm-hmm. But talking of... Um, things derived from cargo-y stuff going back the other way actually this is van to people <laughs> yeah but we won't say that too loudly in front of anyone from mercedes-benz because they'll get all upset if we declare that it's a van yes the the other new new car this week is the mercedes-benz concept eqt and it is a cutie oh very good that's two two for two tonight Um, absolutely ruined now for the rest of the year i know that's it we're done which previews the new t-class mpv so the electric v the electric version of that which supposedly is going to be according to this autocar article by greg cable is going to be the ninth model from its eq sub brand okay but this is this is essentially uh it's a it's a van derived mpv so it, it's a van with shiny stuff. Which I'm a very big fan of. <laughs> it's a it's a good looker. It really is. It's, it's oh, This a, is actually a good looker. Yeah, it is well. a good looker. I'm, I'm not being sarcastic or silly or anything there. It is. It's, so it's a rival to the... It's a sort of upmarket by the looks of this concept. A rival to the Volkswagen Caddy, Citroen Berlingo, Volkswagen Combo. Yeah, because that's the size they're going for. I mean, we've, we've talked on this show several times um, about how... Th- we well, I certainly can't think of a more efficient space use mm. uh, in the footprint for hauling people, all their many many things. He says with resigned weariness. At some point, we will actually do a special edition on on Mrs. Windscreen's vehicle. Yes, yeah, we do need to do that. Mm-hmm. I really like this, and um, I think concept is in inverted commas when you look at the pictures here. We were. Basically, it's some big, some big wheels, yeah. but big wheels away from from being real by the looks of it. Some big wheels and some unrealistically coloured leather. From uh, <laughs> really, family orientated, really that's for sure. parchment, parchment <laughs> uh, on the on the steering wheel and the 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 selector knob and all that kind of stuff. So uh, so away from that. Uh, by the way, the night the other vehicles on the other EQ vehicles are the EQC, the EQV. The EQA, these seem to be in no particular order, by the way. The EQS and the EQB. 
So that's five which are actually out. Believe it or not, you probably haven't noticed them. I know I haven't. Uh, but five are actually out and available, supposedly. And the yet-to-be-revealed but confirmed EQE, EQE SUV and the EQS SUV. Okay. No, I've lost as well. It's not just you, listeners. I am completely lost. I didn't know about most of those. I probably should have known about them, and I should have probably should have care a little bit more than I do. So I'm sorry. I th- I think we're going to need another diagram like we needed with the BMW model. I tried. I tried that, and then I, I couldn't know. get and the four so dimensions difficult. that were needed. And I'm not even kidding yes. about the four dimensions that we needed to get the yeah. Yeah. Three was not enough. But I have to say, looking at all all the touches on this, the one thing I'm really disappointed in this EQT. It's really nice, by the way, despite my despite my no, grumbling. It, it it's looks, lovely. It, it looks, looks smart. Cracking. I, I'd and have it one. looks premium hmm. and everything. But the the gear selector just looks awful. Yeah, but it won't look as bad when it's not in parchment leather though. I, I know it's yeah, but still I think they could make it slightly more a better look to it. Yes, I'm sure. Speaking of better looks to things... Yes, let's move on to about designs. Well, it's not great news. Not great news for Jaguar, I don't believe. But Julian Thompson has left the firm, um, or will be leaving the firm by the end of the month. After working for two decades at Jaguar and Land Rover, um, quite unexpected looking at the reaction in the press. No one saw this one coming. We're going to have links to a couple of autocar articles. The first one is going to just talk about what's happened, uh, the sort of stuff he worked on, because he was... I mean, he worked on cars that have probably saved JLR, Hmm. as in the Evoque, uh, and he also worked on the XE, the XF, and the F-Type. And I am both surprised and not surprised Hmm. when you look at management movements higher up that he's gone yeah yeah quite which is a shame because he's i let him speak once at uh, an adrian flux do uh in in london that was that was arranged by damien cross at the time and he was really interesting it was also the night that the villar was unveiled in the science museum on the other side of central london and um he'd chosen to be there and chatting about Lotusy stuff and cool things and spoilers and all sorts of cool things. So he was really mm-hmm. interesting, really good. Yeah. So the uh, the opinion piece is from Steve Cropley, and um, one line that really sticks out for me is that Mr. Cropley says one thing's for sure: Thompson's departure is likely to put new pressure on the McGovern Belair uh, design structure. I think that is an understatement. I think so too. Right. Take us to a lunchtime read. Yes, a lunchtime read this week is by a chap called uh, Russell Gowers. Now, Russell is, is a follower of the show. He is Senior Managing Consultant in Automotive Retail for Small Medium Enterprise at IBM. So he is one of these awful consultant people. They're terrible. Another one. God, they're, they're awful. Everywhere. But he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to some of the automotive stuff. He's written a piece on LinkedIn. He actually wrote it back at at the end of April, to be honest. Uh, And it's all about the death of the test drive and just how much and how little so many of us can actually gather from a test drive. Mm -hmm. When I say us, I mean buyers in general. And and really, what's the point? Because people have normally made up their mind by then. Uh, on one hand and also on the other hand that these days if you buy if you you like many many people are 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 not a total car nerd then and you're buying because you want to buy you know a gray audi or a gray volkswagen from kazoo or or any of the myriad companies like that um then you know these all come with 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 two weeks in which you can decide to return it if you don't like it yep so why have a test drive when you can go along, do that, and actually go, you know, after a week, this isn't the car for me, and they take and no quibble take back. So it's all about the death of the test drive and, and why that might be coming around. It, it's not hugely long, but it's it's well worth a read. It's good stuff. I know you just mentioned that we need to do a, a special edition on the um, the, the vehicle, the, the, the new vehicle we've got for us. Mm. Um, that's a bit older now. But uh, we bought that un, undriven um and again 
because we felt secure that if there was a problem when we got it, we could just say, sorry, no, and they'd take it back. I, I bought Mercedes on the same principle. <laughs> Not quite, Alan. As everyone who listens to the, sh- the special edition, if they haven't already, you, you say, you say that out. as if I wasn't offered offered a, a, a money back guarantee on it. I know you were. You no, know, no. If you don't like it, just just bring it back. I Fine. know, I know, because I know the person who sold it to you would be in to their own detriment. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Well, it, it isn't. It isn't to his own detriment. So, as you can tell, I I haven't taken them up on that yet. No. Talking to Chris Pollitt, though. Yes, by complete, by genuine coincidence, <laughs> by the way, that was not an intended segue. God, next Wednesday night's going to be awful. We're using all our smoothness up. I know, we are. It's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be like listening to sandpaper, folks. Right. Our list of the week is celebrating the sixes. Six grand, six cars, six cylinders. Alan, have you got one that stands? I'm not going to mention anything this time because there's I'm not sure we'll we'll pick the same one but is there one that stands out to you more than others so difficult I know they're all I'm going to go for the heading that says pretty much any classic BMW okay I actually had you penciled in for that I have to say that's not a surprise really no not a surprise there's only six, so I don't want to ask you yours. But there are five other vehicles for you to read through, and you need to read through the words about that one because uh, Mr. Pollock does write good, does write well with them dare words. Mm, mm-hmm, mm. He does. He is very good at it. Uh, and finally this week is, I don't know, this made me smile in a sort of ridiculousness, but also it's quite cool. So, friend of the show, Niels Van Roy, the Dutch stroke British automotive designer. So, he's the guy that did the bread van Ferrari 575, isn't it? The Tesla, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first Tesla estates. Mm-hmm. Then he's been working with people on some stuff. One of which is, is sort of pimp them up bits for the new Defender. And one of the things that he and people who knows ha- have been able to do do and develop and find uses for is this really cool way of, of sp- kind of spatter spraying uh, real genuine metal uh, onto parts mm. and forming a metal coating on top of something. What you can do with that metal is whatever the heck you want to do with metal. But one of the things they've done on these heritage customs is they've made rusty bits, basically. Oh, and didn't social media get cross this morning when they saw that? They did get awfully cross this morning. But it's one of those things that people will be going, oh, that's off. You know, my favourite, one of my favourite uh, reactions was actually Mark Nickel, who started off by saying, I was really a bit taken aback by this. And then I realised I'm wearing ripped jeans. Yes. Which I thought was really good. I thought that was, yes. was typically witty, <laughs> but yeah. And, and I guess it's the equivalent, yeah. But the way it's been done here is really quite cool just a sort of brown you know if you've got a nice glossy glossy gray and then you've got brown bits rusty bits it's a really nice contrast but they can do it with all sorts of stuff they can do it with zinc titanium some of the stuff that i saw with brass actually earlier on where they had a just a steel wheel and they had patinated the middle of it so it was um slightly verdigreed and then the outside wasn't it wasn't polished or anything like that but it was all in the same thing you can do multiple finishes on the one part Lots of really, really clever stuff. So even if you don't like how it's been done on on these defenders, just the whole thing about it is is really kind of funky. And I've got to say that I like the side vents. I don't like the checker plate on the bonnet. I agree with you, but I think it's awfully clever in both cases. I quite like the yeah. I think with the side vents, it's, it seems to be darker. There's less metal mm. area. It's darker. And I, I'd probably have gone for the the checker plates if they weren't quite so orangey. But I understand yeah, why they are. Yeah, might be just a factor of the photos because of the way they. But yeah, some of the other some of the other finishes like the brass and the bronze. I think if it's if it's done how I expect hmm. them to do it, I think will look absolutely cracking as a nice accent. Put it this way. That is a bazillion times better than someone sticking a box on the side of their long wheelbase defender. I still don't get the Explorer box things. Yeah, 
would you keep in it? I don't know what you can put in them. No, no. A magazine? First, is that first about, the width, about the width they've got, isn't it, inside? Something like that. <laughs> but no, this, we thought this was really cool. It was one of those things that, I don't know, it, it provoked a real reaction this morning. Uh, with me, it was like, ooh, that's interesting. I still mm. don't know if I like it or not in some places. I think it depends how it's used. But I think it's really quite pretty cool. Worth a mention. Yeah. Yep. Uh, is that us for this week? Oh, uh, special edition came out uh, last Friday about the BMW M440i. Speaking of vehicles and things, which cause, uh, which which <laughs> cause division. Uh, and then we've got that. Uh, so that's I don't know. Self praise is no one, but I think it's a pretty good one. So do mm-hmm. do please have a listen if you haven't already. Don't forget, go to the link in the show notes, enter your name for a chance to win one of the awesome prizes uh, that we have yep. for our 400th episode live stream. Obviously, we'll, we'll we'll make a big show of thanking all the various companies, but they are there are some crackers in there, and some people have been incredibly generous. So thank you so much. Uh, and it's well worth your time. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not to be all gushy and awful, but to point out to you that it's well worth your time. Yes. Uh, to do that. So... Anything else? There'll be another there'll be another special edition out Friday. Yes. Oh, yeah, thing, yeah, that's so. the other thing. That's the one. Uh, anyway, don't forget, folks, that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our patron offer or any of the other ways that you can support us. And thank you to new supporters as well, by the way. Uh, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If people search for Crack Windscreen, they will find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way, as ever, is Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I said, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.